Today on a special crossover edition of Locked On Canadians, we have a special guest and we're going to talk about our this year's Blue Jackets, last year's Habs, plus predictions for the game and all that coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 727 of Locked on Canadians. It is a special crossover with the lovely and talented Jay Foster from Locked on Blue Jackets, one of my favorite people on the entire hockey internet, uh, also in real life, but we didn't get a chance to meet in real life. But before we get into all of our hockey talk, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch on YouTube. And you remember, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and hit that bell on YouTube so you get notifications every time we go live every time we put up an episode thank you so so much in the meantime let me welcome my beautiful guest uh all the way from the united kingdom jay foster of lockdown blue jackets jay thank you for being here today yeah thank you for uh thank you for having me thank you for coming on lockdown blue jackets as well i guess since this is going to be airing uh on both feeds uh this should be this should be a fun game tonight it's going to be a defense optional game i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it feels like. Defense optional, goaltending optional, everybody else is injured. Um, So let's get into that. I'd like to ask about the Blue Jackets to start because every time I turn around, Jay, every time I turn around, another player on this Blue Jackets roster is injured. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you tell me who are the injured players right now that are either on short-term, day-to-day, or long-term? God, okay. Let's, Let's see if I can do this. So... Justin Danforth is out for the season. Uh, he had uh, inj- uh, surgery to repair at Torn Labrum. Adam Boquist has a broken ankle, or a broken foot, excuse me. Nick Blankenberg has a broken ankle. Zach Wierenski is out for the season. Uh, he separated his shoulder and tore his labrum. Uh, Patrick Laine is out with an ankle sprain. Um, who am I missing? Uh, last night, people. or not last night, uh, <laughs> we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday night versus the Flyers. Uh, Jake Bean left the game early due to injury. Elvis Moslikens left the game early due to injury. And we also, uh, Emil Bemstrom has been, um, he missed practice today or yesterday, Wednesday. Um, he is one of the quote unquote walking wounded. Uh, and Jake Varacek is also uh, out indefinitely. I believe that is everyone. As of right now. <laughs> so essentially, you and I are going to suit up for the Blue Jackets in Columbus. I think actually tonight. I am on the second defense pairing for uh, tonight's <laughs> game. I think is is the, the depth chart. Um, I mean, that is, it's honestly horrific injury luck, but our listeners will not be new to this, right? The Canadians had that. Maybe not all at the same time in the same, you know, three week span, but there were a lot of injuries on, um, on the Canadians team. I think it's very simplistic to say that, you know, are this year's Blue Jackets, the last year's Habs, because there obviously isn't the same coaching issue at play. And I believe that the Blue Jackets had, I want to say, a much better offseason than the Canadians had. I mean, I do think that there was a big question mark signing, but they also got one of the most prized free agents on the market. So 
there, this was definitely a team that was trying to take steps forward. They definitely have a lot of young, exciting players that they've picked recently that have, you know, started to make the team or are poised to make the team. So the future was looking good. And then the actual season started. Yeah, I think the thing about the Blue Jackets is sometimes if you pay too much attention to them, they panic and they're like, no, please don't perceive us, which is deeply relatable, but also not <laughs> ideal for a professional sports team. Um, they kind of, it's it's weirdly reminiscent of um, the 2015-2016 season where they uh, ended up, they did that massive trade for Brandon Saad from the Blackhawks. Um, and everyone was like, man, this is going to be great. Uh, they had a monster preseason. Um, their top line was um, Brandon Saad, Ryan Johansson, who just had a 70-point season. Nick Foligno, who just had like a 35-goal season, got named captain. That was their top line. Everyone was like, man, they're going to run the division this season. And then they lost eight games in a row to start the season and never really picked it back up. And unfortunately, the Blue Jackets haven't been that bad, but it's been a rough start to the season. The goaltending hasn't been where it needed to be. The defense, arguably the defense got worse um, because for some reason we're paying $4 million to Erica Branson for the next four years um, instead of paying, instead of playing literally any of our young puck moving defensemen that like do what they're supposed to instead of taking dumb penalties and getting caved in on uh, shot attempts. But the offense, I think, is the, is the surprising thing. For me, I was expecting the Blue Jackets to basically do the Edmonton Oilers thing of we don't need defense. We don't need goaltending. We're just going to outscore the opponent. You know, Johnny Gaudreau came in, um, had 115 points last season. Patrick Laine, I still think, could be a 40-goal scorer in this league, potentially a 50-goal scorer in this league, if he can stay healthy. He's been out this is his second injury of the season. Um, he sprained his elbow in the first game of the season, and now he sprained his ankle. Um, so he's played like seven games of the Blue Jackets 14 so far. Um, and I don't think he's been 100% for all of those games. I think he came back too early because he wanted to play in Finland, which is understandable, but also stupid. Um, and it's just been it's been a struggle every game apart from a handful. Like I think every game apart from maybe three games has felt like pulling teeth for this team. You know, it's not necessarily that they've been bad. It's that it's just been painful to watch. Even when they're winning, sometimes it's like they're trying their best to make me hate them. <laughs> you know what? That sounds familiar. I mean, in that case, they're probably like last year's halves. <laughs> like that, that's definitely... Hey, if they end up bottom of the league and winning the draft lottery, like I will, I will take it. I will take <laughs> this horrible, awful season like 10 times over if it means that we can pick first in the draft lottery. I do think that's kind of, you know, that that was the case. That was a saving grace last year of the Canadians being really not great was, you know, they ended up with the first overall pick. Obviously, depending on where you sit, you know, this year's draft core or draft um, class is apparently so much better than last year's. But I do think that, you know, every year people say that, but I do feel that like up top in that top five, top seven this year does feel a bit more promising than last year was. It's just that's those are them's the breaks, right? Like you tanked in the wrong season or things fell apart in the wrong season. So, you know, Jay, because you are one of my favorite people, I do want this for you, but I also want this for me. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the Canadians. And if there's any chance of this happening to the Canadians or if, that, if, if they can get back into contention for um, the Bedard 
uh, sweepstakes, I'm going to call it. And uh, so Jay is going to grill me on the Canadians and hopefully, you know, my weeks, my weeks, my multiple weeks away from, from Montreal uh, have not clouded that. That's all coming up in just one moment. But real quick, this episode is brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And the World Cup is coming up. Remember that. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We know you do because you're listening to this show. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Jay, what are your questions for me about this team that I have seen only half of due to being away for work and vacation? <laughs> I mean, so I took a quick a quick peek at the uh, the Canadians stats. Um like you said, they are doing better than expected. Um how much of that is due to goaltending? And how much of that is due to the fact that Cole Caulfield is an unstoppable goal scoring machine? I think you hit it right on the you hit the nail right on the head on both those points. The both of Montreal Montreal's goalies are playing better than you would expect them to. Better than their average. They are playing above, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're playing better than their ability. And it's really good to see, to be honest, like last season, both of these players had uh, really tough luck with injuries. You know, Samuel Montambo was playing with, uh, with an injured wrist. Uh, Jake Allen just kept getting injured every five minutes. He was obviously being relied on too much. So the Canadians kind of, you know, with who they have in net right now, they are riding that, like I'm seeing enough wins, you know, they are taking advantage of that positive, uh, like a positive uptick in goaltending. You mentioned the underlying numbers. You know, you mentioned in the previous segment that you were talking about, you know, the Blue Jackets seem to be doing everything they possibly can to make me hate them. The Canadians, despite being, you know, if you look at the underlying numbers, there's a lot of coming back down to earth. You know, there's a lot of tempering expectations. Like when you're watching them on the ice, they're doing everything they can to make you like them. You know, you're watching this team and they're being exciting. They're playing with this, with this, um, enthusiasm for the game which we didn't see last year and you're watching these young players try to take strides forward you're watching the coaching staff I mean I do have questions for the coaching staff as everyone does like Martin St. Louis is not perfect even though there was a pretty long honeymoon period with him and I do still think that he's a phenomenal coach with what he's been able to get this team to do but you look at the roster and you look at the underlying numbers and this team has a lot of issues defensively and they only have one real true scoring line I mean they need they need more secondary scoring so you're looking at Cole Caulfield and yes he is an unstoppable force but he's also playing with Nick Suzuki and once they brought Kirby Doc to that line it made a huge difference. Like you're watching that. It is like, if you look at that, the underlying numbers of that line alone, since they've been playing together, they've had one bad game and it was the last game that we watched. Right. It was against New Jersey. Um, I I'm sorry, New Jersey. Uh, I forgot you exist uh, with good reason. Um, but um you know, you watch that and like the Nick Suzuki line was not good in that game. And then their entire team 
like had a bad game as a result, right? Like the way that line goes just generally tends to sort of dictate how the rest of the game went. And they had a pretty good first period against New Jersey. It was just the rest of it that, you know, they just allowed it to fall apart. And I was watching the, t- I was watching that first line get hemmed in in the defensive zone a lot. So obviously in a perfect world, that is your scoring line and you've got secondary scoring and, you know, you can spread out the tougher assignments uh, throughout your roster, which you can't really do right now. Like the Canadians have kind of a mishmash of forwards that they're trying to get rid of, uh, some guys that are trying to prove themselves, some filler, and then some some guys that'll be here for a long time. They're also, I think, not sure how to play certain players. Like I feel like, for example, Slavkovsky is not getting enough minutes, right? We talked in our last episode should he be sent down to Laval? And um, I will tell you, our commenters did not agree with this idea, but we just brought it up because, you know, it is a debate that's going on in Montreal. Like, we're not the only people to ask the question, but he is not playing long enough minutes. He's not playing enough situations. He's not playing enough minutes. Obviously, he's been suspended as well. That's 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 a key part of this puzzle. Um, but I find that, you know, they're, they're really taking their time with him. So if you're going to assume that, that's what they're going to continue to do with him. Like a lot of these forward lines are a question mark. We thought the defense would be a question mark. The forward lines are starting to be a question mark too. Like, and then you'll see that, for example, somebody like Sean Monaghan has found some chemistry uh, with either Dodonov or Dvorak, like depending on where they're playing. Like there has been, there have been moments of promise or bright, bright spots, but you look at the team overall and you can just tell that the score, like the offense is not that deep yet. So when you put everything on, and that first line is really good. Like in a perfect world where like, you know, they, they can keep the opponents guessing and they can line match a little bit better. That, that, that's the line that's going to kill you. That's the line that you're going to want to defend against. And so the Canadians need to bring up some, uh, some more scoring. And, you know, there's a lot of um, talk in Montreal about Brendan Gallagher. Is he washed up? Is it time for him to go? Is he, is he bringing it back? All of that. I think that if you're looking towards the future, like you will see Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Kirby Doc on this team. But those other guys that I mentioned, Sean Monaghan, probably not. Christian Vorak, maybe, but probably not. Somebody like, you know, um, Zidonov, like I, I would say it's a pretty safe bet. And we haven't even talked about Josh Anderson yet, but I think it's pretty fair to say that he's probably not going to be around either. Brendan Gallagher, not when they're contending, I don't think. I think, you know, He's he might not be on his way out of Montreal throughout this contract, but I don't think he's going to still be on this team when they're ready to start making the playoffs and making noise. Yeah. So you talked about line matching a little bit there. Um, and the Montreal Canadiens coaching has been such a, g- a great story. I think, you know, you saw that switch flip when they got rid of Ducharme and brought in uh, Martin Saint-Louis, who everyone was like, this guy's coaching, like, junior a high school hockey in canada what does he know about coaching an nhl team and it turns out that maybe you don't need to be the most qualified person like did it surprise you how like how he came in and suddenly the team just started picking themselves up like is it is he naturally a good coach or is it just that he is one of those kind of guys that you know like i feel like i probably would run through a wall if my chancellor Louis motivated me to do so, you know, is it, is it his personality or do you think it is that he's just kind of like a natural coaching that's given this team kind of a, a an identity, I guess. I think it's a bit of both. I think the, the good thing about Martin St. Louis is that he knows the effect that he has on these players, right? Like you see the way that he deals with Cole Caulfield, for example, he 
mentions himself, you know, he, he wants his players to have fun. He wants his players to loosen up. He wants them to learn from their mistakes. He wants them to get better instincts, you know, reads. He talks about reads. He talks about situations. He doesn't like the word strategy as much. He doesn't like structure. He likes to have, <clears throat> he likes to have like what I would say is like habits, right? Like he wants to build good habits on the team. It's, it's kind of like honing in on, on the talents of each player and kind of bringing up uh, bringing out the best in them. But I, I also know from everything that was said when he was hired by Jeff Gorton, uh, by, by Kent Hughes about what a big hockey nerd he is, you know, like they, there's so much talk about like, you could spend three hours at dinner with him and all he'll do is talk about hockey and like the intricacies and the strategies and the on ice situations and all of that. So he definitely has that mind. He has that passion. He has that, he has that hockey nerdery, right? He's a huge hockey nerd. And it doesn't always translate. So you have that ability to a think the game, but also communicate the game with your players. There are plenty of people that are really smart that can't be coaches. They're really good at hockey knowledge and hockey sense and hockey insight. They can't be coaches because they don't have that personality. And then there's plenty of people that have that personality and can make you run through a wall. But they might not know what you need to do when you're on the ice. So I think Martin St. Louis has been the perfect mix. Again, like there's questions that I have about some of his decisions, but you have to remember, like it hasn't even been a full year that he's coached in the NHL. It's essentially been half a year at this point. So I do think that it is a combination of both. I think the Canadians are in a good situation. It's interesting to see how it evolves because right now all of the front office plus the coaching staff has a lot of rope. There's a lot of room to make mistakes right now because we're looking at a future where the team will contend. My question is going to be when they are contending, when they're playing against the top teams in the NHL and trying to beat them in the playoffs or trying to make the playoffs, you know, all of that. My question is, in those situations, will I still feel the same way about this coaching staff? And right now I feel optimistic. Honestly, at, like at this point, you sometimes you just got to take optimism you know i i said all all off season the blue jackets don't necessarily have to be good this year i would like it if they are fun though and sometimes fun is that is all you can ask for like you said the canadians they do they always play perfect hockey no but for the most part this from what i've seen this season from what i've seen from what you're talking about um your co-host scott what he's talked about is that the, it's fun to watch this team again and sometimes that's that's all you can all you can do. Um, but speaking of, of watching teams, uh, we should talk about tonight's game. Uh, so in a minute, we are going to, uh, I think, do some keys to the game. Uh, I'm going to make Laura make some predictions because I love to make crazy predictions. Um, but before we do that, I want to thank everyone for making Locked on Blue Jackets and Locked on Canadians your first listen every day, and especially today. So make sure your second listen is Locked On Sports Today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sport. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on this app, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Laura, what do the Montreal Canadiens have to do to win this game? What is the one thing that they have to do to win this game? Um... I think, honestly, taking advantage of the goaltending slump right now. That's, that's to me, is throw everything at the goaltender. It, whether it's haphazard, whether it's strategized, whether it's positive, that's what they need to do. Here's the question. like, Are they trying to win the game? Or are they trying to continue on building good habits in this team? Because like, if they want to win the game, 
they can make it one of those crazy garbage goal, like all kinds of like event, you know, like when you, when you say high event hockey, that's not what you usually mean. Like you don't usually mean shenanigans. Like this is what I expect would happen. Uh, but I think honestly, like throwing everything at the goaltending. I, I know you talked a little bit about how the, you have question marks about the, the Blue Jackets defense. I think the Canadians have enough intelligence in their forward core to, to sort of outwork a defense, to outmaneuver a defense, not all the time, but they can do it, right? Like if your defense isn't up to par, I think that the forward core that they have is pretty good. Like all the players that I mentioned, somebody like Sean Monaghan, for example, somebody like Christian Dvorak, like these guys have a really good hockey IQ. They're able to think the game really well. Whereas, you know, Somebody like Mike Hoffman, for example, doesn't. Um, he's a one-trick pony. And I, I don't want to be too hard on Mike Hoffman. He's been doing really well the last like week or so. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have that, but he can complete a line or a play, right? So if your defense is struggling, that the Canadians can take advantage of that. And again, struggling, like, because what they're not they're not world beating, right? They need to just make sure that they control puck possession because once you're in their zone, it's a little bit dicey. Like the defense is partly injured, partly inexperienced, partly kind of a, who is that guy? So they do need to, you know, they do need to stay out of that zone. And especially like, if, like I talked about in the previous segment, right? That first line can't get hemmed into their own zone. Like that, they can't let that happen. So they need to be careful and they need to keep the game in the Columbus zone, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I will say I should have done, I've been doing some math on average, um, experience for defensemen as the injuries go through um and I, I haven't done the the math for the current crop of healthy defensemen but with jake with with jake bean in the lineup uh the average career games for the blue jackets defense was i think 170 games on average um and that's with gabranson in who missed the last couple of games who missed one game, I think, due to due to injury. Um, if you that take him out, so low. Uh, if you take him out, it drops to ninety games on average. <gasps> the Blue Jackets currently have two defense, two healthy defensemen that have played over one hundred and fifty NHL games. That is blowing my mind right now. It's yeah, like we've got one guy, Jake Christensen. I think is up to ten NHL games now. Marcus Bjork just played in his second NHL game uh, on Tuesday. Like. Jake Bean, I think, had about 125 games. He's just gone down to injury. At the minute, it is literally, it's Eric Branson, Vladislav Gavrikov, um, who played 28 minutes on, on Tuesday night, which is bonkers, um, and children. That's, <laughs> that's that's the defensive core right now. It's it's very, very stressful. Um, so honestly, there probably there, there might be a worse strategy than just throwing everything at the net and hoping that the defense collapses because it's, it's children. Um, <laughs> they could collapse. And that's, that, yeah. that reminds me of, like, we had this one game last year where Alexander Romanov was the most tenured defenseman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got some young guys. We've got, you know, Caden Gooley, one of my favorite people to talk about. We've got Arbor Jacki, one of the community's favorite people to talk about. We've got some young guys on defense in the Habs. Um, Mike Matson. Uh, they're talking about him being ready to return. I, As of this recording, I'm not 100% sure of his status. Uh, but yeah, you know, he hasn't played yet. You know, uh, Edmondson has come back and is showing a little bit of rust. But the Canadian's decor is kind of a mishmash. It's a little bit weird. But I will say that um, Caden Gooley has been a revelation so far. Yes, I've heard nothing but good things about uh, about Caden Gooley. And also, mostly good things about Arba Jackai. Um, he's, he's an experience. 
I think. Yes. Um, he's worth a him, Like when he's not playing my team. So, <laughs> um, before we uh, before we wrap up, uh, let's uh, let's do some predictions. I always make make people do do some predictions if we do a, a game crossover. So I want to know what you think the final score is going to be. And I want to know who is going to open the scoring for the Canadians. I think the final score is going to be 5-3 to the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be a ridiculous game. And the first goal is going to go to Kirby Doc. That's who I'm predicting. What about you? Your turn. See, I was thinking, like... Honestly, this has all of the makings of it's either going to be like a 6-5 shootout game or it's going to be like a 2-1 regulation game. And I don't know which way it's going to go yet. It could go either way. I think I'm leaning towards the Blue Jackets in overtime, uh, 6-5. to And I think they don't have any French Canadians on the team at the minute. <laughs> Normally I would pick a French Canadian just because they love to score in, in Montreal. Um, all of our French Canadians have, have gone elsewhere, I believe. Um, so I am going to say that the scoring uh the scoring is going to open with a uh hmm. i'm going to say Kent Johnson opens the scoring uh he's he's been doing real well he's kind of he's not as flashy as some of the other rookies this season but he's he's holding his own and he looks really good out there um and you can see that he's putting it together and when he figures it out i do think he's just going to it's going to go like that so that's uh that is my pick. 6-5 Blue Jackets in overtime. Kent Johnson opening the scoring. One last question. How many penalties do you think the Canadians take against the Blue Jackets? Oh, man. I'm going to go four minor penalties. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. <laughs> I don't know who's refereeing the game. So take this with a grain of salt. I'm thinking seven penalties. I don't I'm know why. seven. Oh I have God. this feeling that it's going to be the one of those is, games. The problem is that they don't like to call penalties against the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets cannot buy a call at the minute. They're like the least. Uh, they're like the, the 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 team that has had the least penalties call uh, penalties drawn so far this season, I believe. So if they get more than four, I'll be amazed. <laughs> okay, we're not going to bet on this because that is kind of Scott's job. Um, speaking of Scott, he will be back tomorrow. Please pay no attention to the fact that whenever Scott is on the show, Jay is not, and vice versa. No, it's fine. People have definitely seen Scott and I in the same room. We're definitely not the same person. I mean, I can't, I I can't. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. The evidence is is sitting right in front of me. Pay no attention to that. It's fine. I'm sure Scott and I are actually two different people. This is a real accent, I promise. Totally. Um, And so Scott will be back tomorrow. Uh, We will be recapping the Blue Jackets game. And do not forget the mailbag. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. That is actually now my preferred way of getting uh, mailbag questions because it's just so hard to corral all of them. But you can still put your mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. You can also tweet them at LO underscore Canadians. We will also accept them via direct message on Twitter until Twitter explodes in a giant ball of fire. Um, Jay, please tell people where they can find you, your podcast, and your work uh, right now before, again, Twitter explodes in giant ball of fire. Yes. Well, as long as Twitter exists, uh, you can find me at underscore Jacob Foster, uh, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. If you're watching on YouTube, it's at the bottom of the screen. 
Uh, you can find the show at LO underscore Blue Jackets. I can't in good conscience recommend paying attention to the Blue Jackets at the minute because I think if you pay any more attention to them, they will just explode and uh, <laughs> every other defenseman will die. Um, but you can find Locked on Blue Jackets wherever you get Locked on Canadians. We are on every podcast app and uh, also over on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we will be back tomorrow.